talk about like the one tip that everybody should take away from this evening with you? So I think what is so interesting, because we are all different, I think we should all pick our first step. It's like in the, ha- in the habit literature, where they talk about how you change habits, they talk about the keystone habit, which is the one step of the 12 that most resonates with you. That when you start implementing it, everything else changes. It could be meditation. I'll tell you what mine is in a minute. But it could be meditation. And then you discover very quickly that meditation is not another to-do thing on your list. It's something that transforms your whole day, right? Right. For me, unquestionably, my keystone habit, the first step was sleep. And uh, going from four to five hours to seven to eight hours was transformational. Hey, my name is Innocent McGinga, and you're listening to the Learnability Podcast. For individuals seeking growth, we've created this open-ended exploration into our ability and desire to learn. I guess you could call it a combination of what we know and how we learn. So in conversation with individuals, either speaking from experience, belief, or science, we seek to find answers to how to navigate and win in this information age. I had come to this realization that the biggest problem in our society wasn't the bombings and the shootings and the troubles, as it was called, but this victim mentality, which everyone had. And what I mean by that is where I was from, particularly people blamed the British, they blamed the Protestants, they blamed the rain. They blamed the dog. They would blame anything, but it was never their fault that their life wasn't up to the standard that they had expected from themselves. So at around that time, I decided that I would never be a victim of anything. I says, everything that goes wrong in my life or happens to me, I'm taking all the blame. It's on me. And I says, everything that goes right in my life, I'm going to take all the credit. So we all have our fat and happy state of mind, our comfort zone, basically. So it's very important to find how to trigger yourself to actually get out of that fat and happy. For instance, like when I was younger, I didn't have a car. So I have to uh, commute, right? I have to take the metro or bus or whatever. That makes me um, in the space of other human beings. I meet other human beings. I can listen to other conversations and get that in. And then I realized when I started to get the car, I stopped seeing other people. I was so <laughs> I was so damn comfortable. And I even noticed on myself like, oh my God, I, I'm now fat and happy. I need to do something. So actually what I do is some like one week or two weeks at a month, I ban myself to take the car just for um, bringing me out. Because it's a little bit more struggle to actually go and commute and be in that metro together with too many people at the same time. <laughs> and do you do that even with the kids? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I do. And they hate it for me, but they will thank me later. <laughs> so even with the kids, we, we have that process like, okay, you know what? So we have nothing now. The electricity is out. You can have no phones, no iPads, nothing. So what will we do? How will we make sure we do something and it's amazing to actually uh, create that space. So I think it's very, very important. So don't be fat and happy. And I believe everyone has that comfort zone in different levels. Yeah. And challenging that will actually make you more creative and find more solutions. 
So we just heard from Patrick Hamilton Walsh, who reflected on insights that he gained growing up in the war-torn area of Northern Ireland during the late 1970s. He noticed bad habits performed by his peers and decided to proactively form good habits that later took him all around the world. We also heard Heaven Berriket's approach to breaking out of a fat and happy zone and an example of how she actively tries to do this daily. So now when you've had an idea that this is time to move forward, I need to do something, I need to start, but you still don't know what. The most important thing is to understand that you are responsible for your actions and you are responsible of letting go of what's not contributing and what's what's what could be beneficial instead. And of course, the most important thing, consistency and discipline. Definitely. I guess that's something that's... It, do you believe it's hard to teach? Consistency? Discipline and cons- consistency? No. No? When one is willing to move forward, you're ready to go through those uh, hard and challenging roads in order to stay consistent because you know what you want is greater than... What's awaiting for you is greater than what you're doing right now. So I'm guessing that also acquires you to make a paradigm shift because oh, definitely. that's changing your whole view and, and, and mentality. Yeah. We just heard from life coach Juliet Murukatete of a coaching approach of encouraging good habits. Let's hear back from Heaven with an example of how the start of her entrepreneurial journey made her realize that she needed to break out of habits that she had and form new habits that later helped her build the company she's today running. My bank account is out. What I need to do something. I need to find something. And start to ask people for help. Start to ask people for advice. Like, how can I do this? How can I fix this problem? I think a lot of people just think it's too big that, okay, if they want to do something, it has to be instantly mm. or it has to be like in a massive Bill Gates kind of way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. You start where you are, break it down to smaller exactly. steps. Yeah. That will maybe within a couple of months or a year will start have its effect. I think a lot of people get almost paralyzed when you start to think, like, I want to do something, and they can keep talking about it for two years, yeah. but they still have to do nothing. So you just don't do it halfway. If you want to stay consistent, you know that this is going to reward you. It's like a rewarding. And if you take step by step, then you will stay consistent without even uh, remembering that word consistent. You just It becomes a habit, and that habit feels good since you're doing exactly what you're aiming to do. So you just keep on doing it and it becomes natural. I've actually noticed I can relate a lot of this and I think I got my uh, introduction and I really learned about discipline and implemented it in my life through training. Right. Experiencing what happens when you don't apply discipline. And growing up later... The exact same uh, theories are applied in work life or whatever. It's the same type of discipline, just applied in a different field. Oof, man, working out is a good habit. Last year was just doing calisthenics. 
So body weight, I did a year that I was determined. I did the, the keto that you said that you were doing now, yeah, exactly. the intermittent fasting, and I started doing calisthenics four times a week. So I com- uh, combined those things, uh, went hardcore, yeah. and just put on muscle and I shred down, right? So it was just a way of getting disciplined, you know what I mean? And uh, building that the, the mental toughness for like, because you you know you make up excuses. Oh, I don't want to. I'm tired. Go to work out. It builds your your mental toughness, right? That was Joe Lefty, who's actually our next podcast guest. So you haven't heard that episode yet. And this episode with Joe will actually be released as a vodcast, so a video version. So stay tuned for that. We see a lot of similarities between the cognitive process of progress and the physical process of progress. So with that, we got some great things to announce. We are collaborating with a good friend of mine, David Essam, also known as Coach D. And we will be creating the Ability Camp. Yes, the Ability Camp. It's sort of a combination of learnability and what we're talking about here and the boot camp, where the boot camp is in focus. So it's a great opportunity to get fit for the summer. More information will go out to everyone who has signed up to our newsletter. If you haven't done that, you can go to learnability.online and do that immediately and you get information of that. And sorry, this is uh, currently only available for people living in Stockholm or willing to travel to Stockholm during this period. And we hope to be able to spread this onwards. Follow the journey, get more information either at learnability.online, our website, or by following us on Instagram, learnability.tv. Okay, so... We've covered the differences between good habits and bad habits, and you might already be aware of this. But I'm guessing you're sitting there thinking, how, how do I go about in achieving my goals? Let's hear a little bit more on that. So for me, as a coach, I see it as everybody's, everybody can develop, Right. You just need to find the right direction. So you have the map, but it's in a way to support you in order to go where your destination is. So basically it's first defining the goal. Right. And then breaking that into pieces, the the journey, the roadmap. Definitely. One of the things I do every year is that I go away for a trip by myself. Yeah, I've seen that. That always starts off my my self-education part. So at that trip, I go somewhere where it's warm and I can, uh, where I can train. Yeah. So I try to have a long-term goal, which is a lot of, of more like a vision. I I have this, you know, this picture in my head on how I want things to be in in the future. And then I I look at, so when I, when I go by myself every year, then I, what I basically do is that I look at that year and what my goals for that year is. Mm. So that's taking out of that large vision. Like, okay, what do I need to have for goal this year to get close to that big vision? Uh, and that can be uh, for my work. It can be for my re- personal relationship. It can be for my, my training or exercise. So physical goals. Uh, and then what I do from that yearly goal is that put in, that into monthly goals. 
And those monthly goals I put into weekly goals. And those weekly goals I put into daily and hourly goals or an hourly actions. So that was Anton Granlund on his method of goal setting. And this is a high achieving individual who has managed to build and sell a company. At the meantime, performing at a high level when it comes to fitness, being a family man and doing it all with a smile on his face. So there's a lot to learn from his methods of goal setting. But let's get back to Patrick on his method of goal tracking. The thing that really pulls everything together for me is is the measurement. So each morning when I get up, I I again I'm not a robot. So I write down okay I write down the three things. So it's W-R-E-M-S. Write, read, exercise, meditate, Swedish. And if, once I've done the whole five, I draw a line. But if I've only done four, let's say my phone was dead or something, and I don't get to learn Swedish on the app, I, write, I just write down the four letters I did. So at the end of the month, I will go, right, okay, um, I did 24 days of Swedish. Uh, I did 12 days of writing because I was just, you know, whatever. And this is the thing when you're listening to people like me and people on podcasts, they're not, we're not robots. We don't get it right every single day either. We try our best and I try and put in as many tools that keeps me on the line. But there's days when I'm out late because I was at a party last night and I'm like to my wife, we're sleeping in. But, and, and just to do something is good. But I, what I try and do is if you don't measure it, you can't control it. So when I get to the end of the month, I can see. I really screwed up this month when I came to um, meditating. I only meditated 12 days out of 31. I need to raise that up. And the thing is, you, you always think that you're doing it. Cause, but then all of a sudden, you're like, when you start looking back, you're like, well, I'm really, I'm letting that slip. And why am I letting that slip? What's so important in the mornings that I can't just take six minutes or three minutes and, or do the, for example, the one that really struggles, that I struggle with the most is actually the writing one. Because... It's easy. I like the reading. I like the Swedish. I like the meditate. It's all built in so strong. But to lift up that thing in the morning, that pen and paper and go, right, okay, let's do a journal. Or sometimes what I'd write down is gratitude. I'm grateful for these things. Yeah. I'm grateful for the fact that I've got a wardrobe with clothes in it. I'm grateful for the, the fact I've got a car outside. I've got a, access to a tunnel ban a card where I can go to work. I look at the very basic things mm-hmm. and show gratitude for them. And... Um, so that's my thing. The best life hack is record it. If you don't, if you don't measure it, you can't control it. And it's so easy to trick yourself into thinking, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going. But if you have the data, basically, I miss yeah. these days. And not, I'm guessing you're not too hard on yourself. It's just an opportunity for you to do better. You, you can't be, you can't be, too, the thing is people, the best people out there miss this. And we must not forget that. Like, let's try and do it every single day. Let's try and be the best we can every day. But you know what? It's not going to happen. No. You know, and, and don't, be too, don't beat yourself up when it doesn't happen. We will fail. We will not get the job we want. We will not get the results we want. But don't be the victim. Just say, okay, look back. There's my data. I miss these days. Be honest. I'm not as happy as I was this time last year. Why? Well, I'm hardly ever meditating in the mornings anymore. Okay, let's get back into the basics. Put those foundations in place and move on from there and try and get back to being happier or smarter or better at my job or better at my studies. So, we've heard methods of goal setting, we've heard methods of goal tracking, and there's so much more, as we always encourage, use the World Wide Web to find out more and explore. 
utilize your learnability. Even though you will be continuously striving, let's say you find your setup, you try different stuff and you're, you're actually goal setting, you're goal tracking and you're on the flow, things still happen. So another question is, what habits can we apply to get us out of situations when we fall out of our zone? Times like that can easily lead to frustration, stress and feeling overwhelmed. But what habits can we have in the back of our mind when these times arrive to, as fast as possible, get us out of that? Let's have a listen to what Pontus Carlson does. If I'm stressed and it's like 8, 9 o'clock and I feel like I have a lot of thoughts, then I turn on my podcast and I go running. And I only have to run for 25. I just need to do something physically because... You shouldn't trust every thought that you have. Exactly. And uh, if you turn on a podcast and you start thinking about interesting things instead of uninteresting things and how you, whatever your issue might be for that day or your stress might be, uh, I think it's just better to zone out, go running, get activated, go home, take it from there. If it's still there, tackle it. If it's not, it wasn't any issue. I think it's never still there. Like no. running, it works every single time and like you said uh, you shouldn't trust your thought I think the problem is there's emotions attached to that thought mm. before you go running Yeah. when you go running you get all the emotions out and the, the endorphin kick in mm. everything and that em emotion is gone and you just have the thought yeah exactly so the thought or the problem is then uh, detached from all the anxiety or the stress or whatever it might so it's just a problem that you can solve hopefully it's it's almost like it yeah it works every time you come home and mm. all of a sudden you cleaned your kitchen <laughs> you, even think, you know it's like you get to double up um, yeah so I go running listen to a podcast when I get stressed so I do this thing where I never eat in the place where I work or study I will always get out of the building at lunchtime rain hail snow. I will get out and I'll walk to a restaurant or I'll walk to a store and buy something or, or walk to the park and eat my food box. But I always, and, and even if, if, if it's so bad, the weather, that I don't want to be outside, I'll put my coat on, I'll walk around the block once. And what that does is it breaks the day up. It breaks into two halves as opposed to one. And it, and it gives me perspective away from the desk or the meetings or whatever that I'm in. Um, so that's the short-term thing. Always change the environment at least once a day, whether that's walking or doing whatever at lunchtime. Second is the long term. I mean, I'm, I'm working every day and I can feel this pressure building and building and building. And I think the only thing you can do is listen to your body. Yeah. Ultimately, my body is screaming at me for a rest. Yeah. It's, my brain is pumping. So what I try and do is change the environment. Um, and again, you can go on holidays, you can have a weekend away. But the thing that works for me, which I'm doing this weekend, is get the tent, get the sleeping bag and go camping for a weekend or for a night and just get back to the nature and just get away from the phones and get away from the environment. I think changing your environment is almost as powerful as is going away on a big holiday for two weeks or yeah. something. I think sometimes you can come back from holiday even more tired. 
So just by going away and doing something calm and easy, not an hour away, you know, jump, jump in a tunnel banner or go to a camping site or just pull up and, and do something like that, just by getting away from my apartment, my job, my life, my, my daily routine and doing something else can really reset my clock and I can come back to, on a Monday then or a Sunday night and go, right, let's go again. So we went from small habits to habits of traveling to free your mind. Bintu Bali has an additional take on the benefits of traveling. Let's hear more about that. I don't want to live according to someone else's sort of template. You know, I, I want to make my own decisions. I want to make sure that I'm not following someone else's path. Not, not that that in itself is a bad thing, but it's important for me that whenever I make decisions, I'm positively influenced by, by my surrounding. I'm not negatively influenced by my surrounding. And I'm not making decisions because, you know, the, the, the environment that I'm in forces me to make those decisions. Um, so being able to kind of travel allows me to, to get into that state of mind. The message here is that good habits are important. But in this striving, balance is essential. Let's hear from Konrad Svenninger on his habits, thoughts, and habit forming. Habits, yeah. Actually, it's it's the last five years is my period time of of uh, coming here. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and something that is a habit for me here is that because of the beauty of the place, I, I it comes very natural to both begin the day and end the day with a very profound state of gratitude. Because I, in the morning, I I used to you see that room there. That's where I slept in the beginning. And I had the bed positioned in such a way that I could see a tree, that tree over there. And I could see it during the seasons. And every morning when I woke up, I was waking up in order to do meditations later and so on. Mm. If there was light, I could see it and as I could see the darkness. And I felt this gratitude to, to be here. And that was in the beginning from, because it was a miracle, naturally, I didn't have money to buy this place. There was no way I could take over this property and so on, but things worked out. So I was, I had a very uh, humble and, and hang, grateful start. So I started every day with just, and then I was also coming directly from Brussels, mm. having worked there. I was still working there, coming here in the beginning, just three days a week learning how to work with the motor saw, taking down trees around. It was winter, and I was so grateful every day that I could wake up here in the house. And that kind of continued mm. during the years. And also in the end of the day, a few years later, when we became more that lived here, mm. we put this rule that we have silence. Mm. So everyone is silent, no communication, also no internet, telephones, and so on. And that opened up the magic of the evenings mm. for study, and practice meditation, which leads naturally for me to end the day again in a deep, grateful state mm. and only in what I experience as a communication directly with God. So I let myself into the embrace of the divine every night. Wow. I have to find a way of uh, doing that at home, waking up grateful and going to bed grateful. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, and this view, waking up to this, 
well, it, it was something that instrumented that in me. Mm. And um, because I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I may be very materialistic in my perception, but that triggered me. And uh, I'm sure everyone can find it uh, within their own premises. To sum it up of what we've been talking about, about having the clarity and being focused and finding the ease and having the gratitude. Yeah. There's a tale that I read. I love tales. Um, it's like a message, little messages that come in. And that's what I meant with cliches. Like yeah. you can easily connect. Definitely. And this also goes back to summing it up of how one can wake up, a little wake-up call. This Tibetan tale tells about not being like a pigeon who spends all night fixing its nest and dawn comes up before he has even got time to sleep. I love it. Yeah. You know, I saw a lovely thing interview with Paul McCartney mm-hmm. where someone who's probably a famous guy was interviewing him in Liverpool and he was telling the most beautiful stories about, because we... In, in my generation, we still knew kind of Beatles because our parents had played them and so on. Yeah. And so he told us, he was traveling around in Liverpool and showed us his streets and anecdotes about how it all started. And then he told about this song, Let It Be. And he, was, he had been with his mother, called Mary, because the text says, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And of course, that fits into a Christian context with Mother Mary. And he said, well, this was actually his mother. He had been troubled by something, sitting by the kitchen table yeah. in this modest uh, Liverpool. I mean, see the interview, it's better. I don't remember, but it's a great interview. And he said, well, this mother, she came to him and said, well, let it be. And it's so beautiful. And it makes more sense that it came from a kitchen table yeah. in Liverpool, not from a grandiose, you know. And that's that also what, what I aim to do, to find the comfort mm. in life itself and find where it can whisper to me and let it be. Mm. Beautiful. Our aim is to build this platform and meet you here digitally, but also physically. So with that, Besides the Ability Camp that you can learn more about at learnability.online, we will also be moderating talks with our friends from the fashion brand Diamond in Orleans City. So once again, sorry to you guys outside of Stockholm, Sweden, but if you're here during May, every Thursday we will be hosting talks in Orleans City. Join us. Looking forward to meeting you there. And for those of you joining the Ability Camp, looking forward to getting fit and challenging ourselves together with you this summer. You've been listening to the Learnability Podcast, and I'm your host, Innocent Maginda. If you want to contribute to the platform or find previous episodes and additional material, you can do that at learnability.online. Learnability.online. Oh yeah, don't forget to subscribe. I remember my grandma's favorite story was about how everything costs two cents when she was young. But now, 
everything constantly got more expensive. And it was all because of the government. These uneducated pigs didn't know how to control prices. And when I was privileged enough to hear the story, her complaining would last for hours and hours. And that's exactly what reactive people do. They always focus on the things that they cannot control. It's not possible that a concept like inflation would exist. And if it did, it's impossible that they wouldn't know about it. On the other hand, proactive people realize, look, even if my complaining were completely objective, it doesn't help me. So I'm going to focus on what I can control. If a proactive person owns a business where he sells a product, instead of focusing on how people these days don't appreciate good products anymore and how the government has horrible regulations, he focuses on how can I improve my product so my customers can't live without it. Do you realize how much responsibility, how much dedication, how much hard work comes along with asking that question? And what do you think our effort minimizing brain is going to pick as default? And that is exactly why most people focus on the things that they cannot control rather than focusing on the things that they can. Habit number one is be proactive.